0: Thank you for checking out this sermon video here at Hope Church. We are so excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, Welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text new to hope to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a very short form for you to fill out so that we can just get to know you better. The message you're about to watch is part of our current sermon series, Proverbs Everlasting Wisdom for Everyday Life. Once again, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the sermon. I want to put a picture up on the screen as we begin. And I want to see if you can identify this person, if you know who it is. So here's the picture. Anybody got a guess? I don't want to embarrass you. This person, according to Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Arthur Schlesinger is one of the top 10 most influential people of the previous millennium. So from 1000 AD all the way to 1999, Pulitzer Prize winning historian uh, Arthur Schlesinger identified the top 10 most influential people. This is one of them. And to be quite honest, it's one that many of us have never heard of. His name is William Harvey. I can tell by your reaction that wasn't even close to your guess, right? William Harvey was a medical doctor in the early 1600s and he made a remarkable discovery. Before his discovery in 1628, most people believed that food was converted into blood by the liver. And then it was sent to the heart where it was heated and then shot out through our veins. It wasn't until Harvey made his discovery that that all changed. Harvey is credited with being the first person to describe in exact detail that the circulatory system begins and ends with the heart. Everything we know today about cardiovascular health and everything we understand about fighting heart disease traces back to William Harvey's discovery. So, when you go to bed tonight, thank God for William Harvey. You say, why are you telling us that story? Here's why. If you're journeying with us, we have been for several weeks both in the room and online... Walking together through the book of Proverbs, we've challenged you to read daily the proverb that corresponds to the day of the month. And in this week's reading, we come to a discovery that is very similar to that which Dr. Harvey made. It's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to Proverbs chapter 4. If not, I'm going to put these verses up on the screen. Proverbs 4, verse 23, listen to what it says. Watch... Over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Let me read it to you in a different translation. This is the New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines The course of your life. The writer of Proverbs, speaking wisdom into our lives, teaches us that everything about who we are flows from the heart. Now, it's important that we understand a couple of words as we begin this tonight. First of all, the word that's used here for the word heart. In the Hebrew language, when they use the word heart as we're reading it here in the book of Proverbs, it's not talking about the same heart that Dr. Harvey was talking about in his discovery. He was talking about that organ on the inside of our chest that is pumping blood throughout our cardiovascular system. The heart that is referred to in the book of Proverbs is not that heart. It's it's not the blood pumping organ in your chest. The heart that is referred to here in the Hebrew language is the real you. It's who you are on the inside. You see, the real you is not your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, your feet, your skin. The real you is who you are on the inside. The Bible talks about this word as the seat of our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's the sum total of our inward moral and spiritual life, especially in relationship to God. One theologian and scholar, Wayne Grudem, said this about this heart. He said, our inward spiritual and moral life will determine the course of our life. Whether it will be a life that knows God's blessing and favor or not. Everything in life flows from the heart. So the writer of Proverbs says we should guard our heart. Or one translation, we need to watch over our heart. It means to protect it from danger, to pay close attention to. So here's the big idea that I want to unpack today. I want to put it up on the screen. A wise way to live is carefully guarding what I allow to influence my life. A wise way to live is to carefully guard what I allow to influence my heart, my life, the me on the inside. Now, you can flip this and say a foolish way to live is to be careless about what I allow to influence my life. But the writer of Proverbs is saying here that you and I should be very careful about that which we allow to influence us on the inside. Let me read the whole text of Scripture that I want to unpack for you tonight. Proverbs chapter 4, we'll start back in verse 23, but I want to read all the way down to verse 27. He says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, And put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Three things the writer of Proverbs here tells us about this principle. And I want to give it to you in three statements. Here's the first one. Wisdom demands I guard my heart. What the writer of Proverbs here is telling us is not optional for us as Christians. He's not suggesting an idea. What he's explaining to us is that wisdom demands you and I set up boundaries to guard that which we allow to influence us on the inside. There are two phrases that communicate the priority of guarding our heart. The first one is this phrase to watch over. In the Hebrew language, it's an imperative. Now, here's what that means it's a command. He's not laying something on the table for us to consider. He's literally commanding us as followers of Jesus that you and I should wisely protect and guard that which we allow to influence us on the inside. This idea that God commanded us, sometimes we kind of rebel against that. We don't like commands. We don't like when we're told to do something. But you got to remember, and I've told you this many times before, and hopefully it sounds familiar, when God gives us commands... His commands are never to hurt us. His commands are always to help us. When God says do something, what he's literally saying is help us yourself. When God says don't do something, God doesn't say don't do something to rob us of all the joy and pleasure of experiencing that. God says don't do that in a way to say don't hurt yourself. God created life, God designed life, and God knows best how life is to be lived. God gives us this command to guard our hearts. As Jesus followers, we realize that the life that we've been given has been entrusted to us by our Father, and we are to be careful to watch over what God has given us. So that's the first phrase that shows us the priority. The second phrase is this phrase, with all diligence. He says, watch over your heart with all diligence. It literally could be translated, above all else. And here's why this is important. The first phrase that describes this, watch over is a command. It's him speaking from a position of authority in our life. But this second phrase, with all diligence, he's not speaking from a position of authority, he's speaking from the passion of his heart. He's now pleading with us above all else. Remember the context of the book of Proverbs Proverbs is a book written from a father. To his son or to his children. It's specifically written by. Solomon as a father, speaking to his sons. As a matter of fact, this chapter chapter one, chapter four, the, the first verse opens up like this, "Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. This is a dad who'd lived his life, who'd made mistakes, who'd allowed stuff to influence his own heart, and now learning from his own experiences experiences in his own life, he's looking at his son and he's begging and he's pleading and saying above everything else in your life. Please guard your heart. Wisdom demands we guard our heart. This is a dad saying to us, be careful. Here's the second statement. Wisdom demands I guard my heart to protect the life God has for me. If you believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, say amen. Amen. Hey, whether you believe it or not, God has a purpose and plan for your life. God has a design for you. And listen, God's purpose and God's plan for your life is better than anything you could ever imagine. But if you and I aren't careful to guard our heart, to guard the things that we allow to influence us, we can thwart, we can damage, we can step aside from God's purpose and God's plan for our life. That's why the proverb says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. It's that old adage, garbage in, garbage out. Everything in our lives is affected by what we allow on the inside. Think about it as a computer for a moment. A computer is only as good as what that computer has been programmed to do, right? If the computer has bad programming, you're going to get bad results. If the algorithms, the systems that are put into that computer, it's going to give you bad data. You put garbage in, you get garbage out. That's exactly what the writer of Proverbs is saying. You and I are living a life, and every day we have an opportunity to guard and protect what we allow to come in. And if we allow garbage in, guess what's going to happen? Garbage is going to come out. Whatever we allow into our heart is going to come out in our life. Here's a life application statement. The influences I allow in my life affect everything about the life that I live. Do you hear that? The influences that you and I allow into our life affect everything, not just church life, it affects everything about the life that we live you know where Solomon learned this Solomon learned it from his dad who was Solomon's dad David right David understood this same principle listen to what David wrote in the Psalms Psalm 19 verse 14 listen to what David said let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable In your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David wanted to so walk with God that the very meditations of his heart, what he allowed himself to focus on on the inside, was acceptable to God. David understood and taught his son Solomon what you allow on the inside is gonna come out in your life on the outside. David said it again in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is written by David, and there's actually a Jewish tradition that says that David used Psalm 119 to teach his son the Hebrew alphabet. In Psalm 119, verse 11, listen to what David wrote and what he used to teach his son the alphabet. Your word I have treasured in my heart. Say the next word out loud. What is it? Say it again. That. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. David knew and understood there is a direct link to what I treasure on the inside and the life I live on the outside. If I am treasuring God and treasuring God's word, then what's going to come out of my life is a life that is pleasing to God and honoring to him. But if I'm not treasuring him and his word, that's the first step towards a life in rebellion against God. Wisdom demands I guard my heart to protect the life that God has for me. Here's the last statement. Wisdom practices this principle in the affairs of everyday life. This is where I want to spend the rest of the time that we have together is unpacking this because after Solomon gives us this principle in verse 23 that we're to guard, we're to watch over the influences that we allow into our life because what we allow on the inside is what's going to come out in our lives on the outside. It affects everything about the way we live our lives. Solomon begins to give some practical examples of what this looks like in our everyday life. He tells us to watch over. It means to be on the lookout. It's to keep watch, to to look for the enemy that's coming. Here's the reality. You and I have an enemy in this world. Our enemy is real. And listen, as sure as it is, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. As sure as it is that God has a design for your life, we have an enemy and he has a plan and it is to destroy God's purpose and God's plan for your life. Let me show it to you in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour as sure as it is that God has a plan for you, God has a design for your life. And listen, it's a good plan. It's a joyful plan. It's a wonderful plan. The enemy wants to destroy that plan. The Bible says of our enemy, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to steal God's best from you. He comes to to destroy God's plan for you, and he comes to kill the life that God has for you. And one of the ways he does that is by slipping influences into our life that begin to cloud our heart. So we got to be on guard. And Solomon here gives us three examples of how to do that. First of all, he gives us the example of guarding our ears. And by that I mean what we listen to. Look what he says in Proverbs 4.24. He says, guard your heart. And then he says this, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Can I give you a paraphrase of that verse? It simply means, be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you listen to. The writer of Proverbs is reminding us that there are some things that we can listen to that can be dangerous to our heart and our walk with God. He mentions two here in the verse. He says, put away from you a deceitful mouth. The deceitful mouth, that word deceitful means a mouth that speaks without integrity. It's talk that is habitually given to disobedience. It's a word in Hebrew that means crooked. It means it doesn't line up with the truth. Meaning you and I should be careful to not listen to that which does not line up with the truth of God's word. But then he says put devious speech far from you. The word devious is a word that means foul or ruined What does that mean? It's something like foul language, dirty jokes, racial slurs, gossip, slander. All of that is this idea of devious speech. And here's what he says, man, we need to be careful what we listen to. Now, when he wrote this verse in Proverbs, when Solomon was alive, everything that you listened to came out of somebody else's mouth, (laughs) In today's world of technology, there's a lot that we listen to that doesn't necessarily come directly out of somebody's mouth. We're living in a generation that walks around with something in their ears all the time. Constantly listening. We need to be careful about what we're listening to. With each of these examples, I want to give you a key verse that's a practical application a filter for our lives with this one the verse is philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 it's the listening challenge listen to what he says finally brethren whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is of good repute if there is any excellence And if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. There's a pretty good filter for what we're listening to, right? Is what I'm listening to true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Does it have a good reputation? Is it excellent? Is it worthy? Is it praiseworthy? If it doesn't pass this test, here's what the writer of Proverbs is saying. I shouldn't be listening to it. I need to be careful what I'm listening to. But not just with our ears. He gives us a second one, with our eyes. He said we need to be careful what we look at. Look at verse 25 in Proverbs chapter 4. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. What is the writer of Proverbs warning us of here? Here he's warning us of wandering eyes. One of the ways that we allow stuff into our life is through our ears. But another way we allow stuff into our life is through our eyes. One of the most powerful influences in this generation is the Internet. The Internet has what's called search engines that can allow us to browse. That's why it's called a browser, so that you can browse around We have access to more information. We have access to more images than previous generations had in an entire lifetime you can come across in a matter of moments simply through the Internet. 9-11 was a horrific day in our nation's history. But on 9-11, we learned a valuable lesson. We learned that a powerful, wonderful tool can be a dangerous weapon in the hands of an enemy. An airplane. An airplane is something that most everybody in this room has probably been on. Many of us get on airplanes all the time, and we travel places around the world, around the country, for business or for vacation or for getaways or to visit family. Airplanes are a wonderful tool, but in the hand of an enemy, they became a deadly weapon. You say, what's your point? My point is this. The Internet can be a wonderful tool. It can be a wonderful tool that allows us to learn and understand. But listen, we have an enemy who wants to use the Internet as a dangerous, deadly weapon. And the writer of Proverbs here is teaching us to be careful what we allow to come in. There's a lot of ways you can do it. Movies, videos, but the Internet, streaming, search engines, browsing, I have a friend, a personal friend. He's a psychologist for over 40 years. He said that the age of the Internet has been the greatest onslaught of the enemy against Christian men and women he's ever witnessed. Forty years as a Christian psychologist. And he said the single greatest tool of the enemy in damaging and harming the lives of Christian men and women has been the Internet. According to Barna Research Group, 68% of Christian men view pornography regularly. Among women under the age of 25, 33% of women view porn regularly. Even among married couples, 55% of men and 33% of Christian women say that they search for pornography at least once a month. we got to be careful. What we allow in through the eyes. So let me give you just practical suggestions. I want to give you four practical suggestions concerning the internet. And I think these are right in line with what the writer of Proverbs here is saying when he's saying, Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed in front of you. Don't have wandering eyes. Here are four practical suggestions concerning the internet. Number one. Never allow children or teenagers unsupervised access to the Internet. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what their friends are doing. Never allow children or teenagers unsupervised. Doesn't mean you got to be watching every minute, but don't allow unsupervised access where you're not regularly checking the browsing patterns of your children and teenagers. It's a big deal in this generation. 63% of teenagers say they use social media every day, and almost 50% say they are on the Internet almost constantly. Did you hear that? 50% of the teenagers alive today, when surveyed by Pew Research Center, said, I am on the Internet almost constantly. One Child psychiatrist from Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School said this Teen social media use has been thought to be correlated with depression, anxiety, worsening self esteem, and loneliness. If you're allowing your child or your teenager unsupervised, constant access to the internet, you are handing the enemy a loaded weapon and pointing it in the direction of their face. Never allow it. Another psychologist who's a former fellow and faculty member at the Harvard Medical School said this, another danger teens are exposed to online is unwanted sexual solicitation. Teens are, get this, the most vulnerable of any age group to such unwanted advances. One in seven teenagers, did you hear that? One out of seven teenagers reported having been subjected to to unwanted provocations, the majority of which involved invitations to meet offline to talk about sex or to answer sexual questions uh, or asking teens for sexually explicit photos. One out of seven say they've been hit up like that on the Internet. Never allow teens and children unsupervised access. The reality is... Until children are mature enough to make their own decisions. Parents, you are the guardian of the heart. Mom and dad, listen to me. Right now, you do not need to be their friend. You need to be their parent. And if you will be their parent when they need you to be their parent, they will be your friend when they grow up. I promise you. I promise you, the enemy wants to destroy them. One of the ways he wants to do that is through the eyes, the browsing, the constantly on social media, constantly on the internet. We must be careful as moms and dads to set up safeguards and parameters. But here's the second practical application. Always filter your content. This is not just talking about kids and teenagers. Always filter your content. There are services you can buy, subscribe to, There are even things now on the iPhone. iPhone on one of these latest uh, models came out with screen time limitations. I actually went to my wife and said, I I need you to help me here. I I find myself constantly picking up my phone and not even knowing why I'm I'm picking it up. And I'm I'm searching on something. And so I had my wife, I put some screen time limitations on my own phone and handed it to her. And she's the only one that knows the code. I gave it to her. So when it's time to shut off, I can't even get in without begging my wife to turn it back on for me, right? And you know how that goes, right, guys? always filter your content number three establish accountability with somebody you can trust i have three people in my life who have every password that i have on every device any social media any access to the internet i got three people in my life that have every password for every access i have to the internet or social media and I do that intentionally because I know those three people are regularly getting on those sites of mine to know what I've been doing. I need accountability. You say, where is that in the Bible? Let me show it to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Look what it says. Verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. Listen to this. But woe to the one who when he falls and there's not another to lift him up. Number four, if you're already in trouble, seek help. We even set up a line that you can text. Right now, if, you're, if, you've already, if, you, if you feel like, man, the Internet, I'm in trouble. Listen, don't try to beat that by yourself. You can text, I need help, to 94090. And in a confidential way, we will walk with you on helping to set up some parameters to get some people involved in your life. Listen, you don't have to beat that by yourself. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. So just text I Need Help to 94090 and we'll reach out and connect with you. Here's the key verse for this one. Look at it. Psalm 101, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart I will set no worthless thing before my eyes now is that bigger than the internet? sure it's bigger than the internet it applies to the shows we watch the movies we go see, all of that stuff and I'm not saying we have to be a prude, that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about being wise being wise the last one is our feet, where you go. Look what he said in verse 26 and 27. He said, Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. The writer of Proverbs is reminding us that there are places a follower of Jesus does not belong. We often put ourselves in situations and then try with willpower to avoid temptation. Sometimes the greatest way to avoid temptation is to avoid the situation. The writer of Proverbs says, man, we got to guard our heart. How do you do it? What you listen to. What you look at. Where you go. It's not rocket science. Every one of us can take these principles and build boundaries and safeguards into our life to guard our heart. Why? Because guarding our heart affects everything else we do. Here's the Key verse for this one about our feet. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 4. Just a few verses before what we read tonight. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Did you hear that? Avoid it. Avoid it. Do not even pass by it. Turn away from it. Pass on. Go somewhere else. You say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but how do, I, how do I practice this on a daily basis? Two things. Many more things we could say, but I'm going to give you two. Number one, intimacy with God. Daily time alone with Jesus where you allow your heart to be recalibrated with His, And then moment by moment throughout the day, constant conversation with Jesus. Lord, should I be listening to this? Lord, should I be watching or looking at this? God, should I go there? Is that a wise thing for me to listen to? Is that a wise place for me to go? Is that a wise thing for me to watch? Again, it's not about do's, don'ts, rights, wrongs, rules, and regulations. This is about wanting to guard my heart. Because out of my heart comes everything else in my life so number one is intimacy with god just being alone with jesus the second key to practicing this is accountability with others listen you and i are living in a world where it is impossible it is impossible to live the christian life without community you and i cannot do this alone it's been one of the biggest burdens your pastors have had through this entire coronavirus pandemic season The isolation from one another, even though it was a necessary reality for the safety and health of all of us, the concern of our heart has been Christianity was never designed to be lived out in isolation from one another. We need each other. We need brothers and sisters in Christ who can, and listen, brothers and sisters in Christ who you can be honest with, you can be transparent with. When you're struggling, when you're falling, when you're failing, you can open up to, and they've got your back to encourage you, to lift you up, to pray for you, to spur you on. We need each other to establish these boundaries and safeguards. Wisdom demands I carefully guard what I allow to influence my life.